sometime next playoffs, there's going to be a game six or a game seven, and this is going to happen again. James yeah. Harden is going to disappear on yeah. you. That just goes to show that you don't have to be at a big school or have a big name to make it. But the message they sent was with or without KD, we are the team to beat. Chris Broussard here, and welcome to the brand new Hoops on Fox podcast. This podcast will give you your daily dose of all things NBA from Fox Sports, including the best content from Skip and Shannon, Nick Wright, plus special guests, fresh NBA content from myself, post-game interviews from NBA stars around the league, and much, much more. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review. Up first, Chris Broussard joins Nick and CeCe to break down what went wrong for the Rockets against the Warriors. I know they're saying all the right things, and I think they mean it. You know, KD's been our best player. We won this for KD. Mm-hmm. We want to extend this till he gets back. And I think they mean it, and it, it, it makes sense. It's the right thing to say. But the message they sent was with or without KD, we are the team to beat. Period. The end. I never ripped. I was one of the few media guys that didn't rip Kevin Durant when he went to Golden State. But I did always feel like we as fans have been robbed of Steph Curry. What he Mm. did, his forget his first MVP year, which was great enough. That second MVP year before KD went there? Pulling up from 40 in overtime against Kevin Durant's Thunder. Right. Just casually. Buckets. It was was incredible. Tim Legler, who I greatly respect, we worked with him at the old network, greatly respect his basketball knowledge. I think this is an overstatement. But he said at that time he could end up being one of the three best players ever. Again, an overstatement to me, but that just shows you the what he was doing, and we haven't seen it except in spurts here or there when, since Kevin Durant's been there. They went back to the old Warriors, and the other thing is this. Everybody talks about their lack of depth, that they were strength in numbers when they won it before, which they had some depth. But look at the guys they were counting on on the bench. Leandro Barbosa, who was old at that point. Brandon Rush, Festus Ezeli, mm-hmm. Mo Spates. Patrick McCall later, but have any of those guys done anything since they left Golden State? Not even most Spates no. has done anything. And that's why they started Bogut. Jordan Bell was fine. Uh, Kevin Looney, we know, is pretty good. He Jerebko, nice. Quinn Cook. Mm-hmm. They're like San Antonio when you had Duncan, Ginobili, and Parker. Pieces around them can play well in that system where they can't do it elsewhere. That's what they have in Golden State. Quinn Cook's not going to be anything special anywhere else, but put him in there and he can give you some solid minutes. So I I think Golden State is rolling. And and I believe that they're rolling too because the guy that never gets any credit is the coach and Steve Kerr. And and I'll take um, just a little bit further than what you took as far as Golden State. Yeah, they said everything. Steph and them, because of the way KD played, starting when they, when he said, I'm KD, I'm Kevin Durant, after game number two, he carried them. Steph was not playing the kind of basketball. Clay was not. Now, Draymond has come around. Him and Iggy have been sensational in the playoffs. But when Steve Kerr comes into the locker room after that great 14 minutes and they secure game number five, he tells everyone, if you're suited up tomorrow, be ready to play. With 12 deep, their strength in numbers, and we're going at it. So when they leave the arena, there's a great relief that Kevin Durant didn't tear his Achilles because no one wants anyone to tear their Achilles. But from a confidence standpoint, it started after game number five. We're going to be all right. 
Everyone's going to play tomorrow. And in the first half of that game, the first 24 minutes, I believe Steve Kerr made the difference. And in, in, in the first half, tied at 57-57, he played 11 players, more than three minutes, and Steph Curry had zero points. And going into halftime, they had to be feeling very, very good. So hats off to Steve Kerr, I believe one of the most underrated coaches that we're going to see, especially coaching great teams. Five guys on the Warriors who have been there for all the titles, and all five guys in their own way were spectacular on Friday night. Sean Livingston. He scored in double digits once in 2019. He go ahead and gave you four for six double-digit game. Iggy only broke 15 points three times in the regular season. This was his fifth time doing it these playoffs and hit five threes. The Rockets were giving him the threes. He said, okay, I'll take him en route to 17 points. Draymond doing all these Draymond things, it would be in great defensively, keeping everyone's energy up, giving them almost the attitude that we are the favorites. Forget these guys. Clay, once again, just as good of a big game, non-super-duper star as I've ever seen. So many times he has saved them because if he didn't have the first half he had, it wouldn't have set Steph up. And yep. Steph is last, but obviously not least which is this was a legacy game for Steph Curry. I, you might say a guy that's won three titles, so with two MVPs, the, uh, second, yes, the team that was closest to beat you, mm -hmm. James Harden, who has finished uh, higher than you in the MVP mm -hmm. voting, what, three of the last four years. He, he, you went into his building, had as bad of a first half as you can have, and the second half said don't matter. 23 in the fourth quarter, 33 in the second half. You And by the way, you know one of the reasons the Warriors never blow leads? Can't foul that guy late because he ain't going to miss him. He was spectacular after having a terrible first half. Just like in game four, five, he was really bad until KD went down. And then it's like that special Splash Brothers activation happened, and he was spectacular the rest of the way. But you have to wonder, and we'll talk a lot about this this week, if the Blazers now look at the Warriors as a team that has sort of come out of their shell and now they're going to be playing like this, or one who has leveled the playing field now because Boogie's out and KD's out with his with the calf, and, and, he, and Steph still has the dislocated finger. Do you think they look at it more of an opportunity for them, or are they maybe a little intimidated by the team they just oh, saw no. beat the Rockets? Portland is definitely thinking they can win this series. Like, Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum are looking at it like, this is our chance. It's us versus Steph and Clay. Yes. That's how they're looking at After it. After being swept the last two yeah. years, Lillard, they got a lot of confidence. Yes, they, and they've, they've played them fairly, you know, they like you said, they haven't won, but those two guards, will they're going to make Steph and Clay work hard. All right, Broussard, let me ask you, is Tillman for Tata right? The Rockets are going to win titles with James Harden? Well, I think he's wrong about Michael Jordan. Wasn't Jordan 28? Yeah, Jordan, wasn't, Jordan believe, was not 30 when he won his first title. Yeah. I, look, he won a title at 30. But yeah, third, <laughs> it was his, his third, second or third one. Um, will they win the title with James Harden? If I had to bet my life on it, I would say no. But I don't look at it as a flaw Very in dramatic, James. But I <laughs> yeah, right. If you're <laughs> gun to my head, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's a flaw in James Harden. Like, look, we, we know his struggles in the past in big games. You can go back to San Antonio, game six, shoots 11 times, you know, scores, what, 10, 11 points, whatever it was, the 12 turnovers against Golden State and all that. This was not that. He showed up in game 
seven, six, mm -hmm. 35 points. He showed up throughout the series. Once he, once he was raked across the eyes, he played well. 35 points a game, mm -hmm. 45, 46% shooting from the floor. Harden played well. The Rockets' problem is, first of all, they're strapped as far as finances. So what changes can they make? Chris Paul, at his age, the decline in his game, I don't think they're going to be able to trade him. He's got three years, $120 million plus left on his deal. And I don't even know if they want to move him just because of the, the deals they've made with him. They shouldn't have gave him that contract last summer. But they felt like they kind of had to. So they, what they need is a front court star, okay? If you I, look at the history of this league, from my 25 years of covering the league, even before as a fan, no, very few teams, if any, win championships without a front court star. Now, I thought in the three-point era with, with, you know, that that might be different because guards have become so prominent and all mm -hmm. that. You look at Golden State, you say, well, okay, even before KD, they won a championship. However, in, Draymond is viewed as a star, and in the last three games of the year they won it in 2015, Draymond averaged 16 points a game. Iguodala averaged 20 points a game. That's why he won the MVP in part. So you need a front court player that can create, make some plays. It can't just all be guard. So if their front office can go out and make these moves, I think maybe that's part of what led them to go sign Carmelo Anthony. But if they need to somehow get a forward or center who can legitimately give them 18, 20 points a game on his own, not Clint Capella catching mm -hmm. stuff at the rim, but a guy that can create, that they can run a, a high can pick and a roll. Bucket, or right. a guy that can create for someone else to yes. get a bucket. Like Ray run a high pick and roll with Capella, you know he's going to only roll to the rim. If you run it with a front court player who can do something on yeah, his own, Yeah, that's the advantage Draymond has playing with the Warriors. Great point. Listen, the, the, I think I've been as big of a public uh, proponent of this team as anybody on television. I think they have the best GM in sports. I think Harden's been unfairly maligned throughout his career. They're never going to beat the Golden State Warriors. Next, Steven Jackson joins Colin Coward to break down both Game 7s and the NBA offseason. Damian Lillard and Steph Curry and all these small college guys. Isn't it amazing? Clay Thompson, Washington State. Kawhi, San Diego State. Mm -hmm. Damian Lillard, Weber State. Giannis, Greece. Mm -hmm. The whole league now is a bunch of guys who went to schools. I mean, what do you make of that? That just goes to show that you don't have to be at a big school or have a big name to make it. You know, your your grind, your devotion, your dedication to the sport, your dedication to get better, and your will to want to make it, that'll get you through. When, when you came into the NBA, did you know who went to Duke and Kansas and the big schools? Absolutely not. You didn't uh, care? No, because, you know, I was in, I, grad, I, grad, I played the McDonald's game with Kobe Bryant, Tim Thomas, Jermaine O'Neal, Mike Bibby, Richard Hamilton. That was my class. So I had stars in my class, you know what I mean? So I, And after the McDonald's game, when I played the McDonald's game with all those guys and I led it in scoring, you know, I, I felt like I belonged. Sure. And uh, that gave me the confidence. Um, let me talk about Steph Curry. Um, it is fascinating to me that most of us believe Kevin Durant's the better player, but they're like 30 and four when Durant's out and it's just Steph's team. So it tells me, you know, we just always say, KD's better. He's not a better ball handler. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he's a better leader. Mm -mm. I mean, there, there is something to say about Steph. I know he's not the toughest guy or the alpha, everybody thinks, but when you're 30 and four, 
if the star player left and your team led by you was 30 and four, mm-hmm. I'd be like, maybe the 30 and four guy is better than we think. Right. What do well, you make of that? As, as from a player's look at it, Steph is a trendsetter. Steph is to the NBA what Allen Iverson was to the NBA. He's a trendsetter. KD's a, they're both unicorns. Steph's a, 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 Steph's a trendsetter and so is KD. We've never seen a 6'11 guy so efficient. Like KD, shoot like KD, handle the ball. We've never seen that. We've never seen the guy shoot like Steph Curry or make the shots he make. And, and they both changed the game. So they're both special. And Steph can lead any team. He won a championship without KD. So we have to give him his props for that. And he's still a two-time MVP. Do you think less of Harden after another series loss? Yeah, because, you know, I felt like he didn't have that killer instinct at the end of the game. That's, that's my knock. Kawhi said it at the, at, at, on his press conference. I wanted to leave everything out there. James didn't leave everything out there. And, and it was obvious all those threes, all those shots that Golden State kept hitting, uh, it kind of started knocking the wind out of him. And he never, was, he never was able to bounce back. And if you see at the end of the game the shots he was missing, it's just not being in the game, not, not just being locked in, man. I, I just don't see them winning with playing this style of ball and not having nobody else to help him. It, it is interesting. I, I said this. I always looked at Carmelo Anthony, and I always questioned, is he in great shape? Like, your body, D-Wade, LeBron. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, those guys. Is it possible James just gets worn out? He has a different body type. That he's just, you can't be that ball-centric in December, January, February. Right. And then at me to ask you in May to go six and seven games. I mean, I just, it, it's not, he's not unraveling. He just sort of vanishes in key spots. Yeah, I mean, he, we got to realize he is human. So I'm, I'm pretty sure he gets tired. And a lot of those, and that's one thing I don't like about ISO ball. It works to a certain extent, especially in the playoffs. They lay on you, they lean on you, they bang you, and they take away the things you that the things you do often, uh, things you do well. They take away from you a lot in the playoffs. He saw a lot of different uh, combinations on defense, and I think he just got wore that wore down, wore down, and those shots, those big shots that the Warriors kept making, that'll knock the win out you too. And I think he just kind of gave up at the end. Um. You know, I said earlier, I'm not saying Kawhi Leonard's Michael, but there are moments with his mid-range game that he just comes down, the big hands, the 6'7 the body, um, he, stop me. It, it, I'm not saying he's Michael because Kobe's probably the closest thing to him. What do you make of Kawhi's game? Well, if you're going to compare Kobe, you have to compare Kawhi too because they have a lot of the same similarities. They're relentless. They, can, they play on both ends of the ball. Kawhi might be the best two-way player we've ever seen in a long time yeah. since Scottie Pippen. So um, he does a lot of things at MJ, the fadeaway shots, the, 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 the willingness to know that you had a game seven and I have to go completely out. If I have to shoot 40 times to win, I will. That's Kobe. That's Jordan. That's the attitude they have. There's no time to lay back. There's no time to leave, uh, to, to leave regrets out there. Kawhi went out there and gave everything he had from the fadeaways to it all. That's all MJ and Kobe. You're, let's say you're Kawhi Leonard. Toronto loves you. It's a real team. It's pretty much a one-man team at times. Mm-hmm. Would you stay or go? All things in, you're Kawhi. Think about everything. Somebody threw this at me last week. Shoe deal. You make a lot of money in shoe deals in California. It's harder in Toronto. What do you make of that? What would you do? Well, the bad part is you get taxed twice. If you play in Toronto, you get taxed here and in Canada on your money. Right. That's the bad part off the rip. I don't want to pay two taxes, right. okay? That's the bad part. Second, I mean, it's all about comfort. I mean, I wouldn't mind playing in Toronto if I'm on a winning team, if I'm in a situation where it's beneficial to me and, and, and we're winning. 
But at the same time, he has a lot of options like that. He can come to L.A. and still win and still make a lot of money. He can go to New York. He can go to he – he has difference. He can go to Clippers and come and make a lot of money and possibly win. So I think the shoe – I think the shoe story is undersold. Well, Listen, he's going he's, – he's, he's with New Balance. He, by the way, New Balance in New York feels bigger than New Balance in Toronto. Does it true. not? I agree with you on that. I definitely agree with you on that. But if, if he – Sells the new balances like Shannon Sharp had on this morning. He'll sell them. <laughs> Shannon had on some nice ones this morning. <laughs> um, I, I went something that's funny. Portland lived and died yesterday on the mid-range shot. Yes. And I, I get analytics. Uh, it qualifies you for the postseason. But once you get to the postseason, I just want guys making shots. When you hear analytics and watch Portland, who just mm-hmm. shot mid-range jumpers yesterday, mm-hmm. as a player, do you like analytics? I just want to know what pick analytics got drafted. What quarter, what, what charge did analytics take? How many times analytics took an elbow to the eye or to the mouth? How many uh, walk-off buzzer beaters has analytics hit? None. So I don't, I don't really pay attention to that. I mean, when you take, when he, when, the reason why he took so many mid-range shots, because that was, they was giving him. He was coming off the pick roll, pick and roll that was going over the top of the pick and roll, and the, and the big was sagging off. That's the shot you take. You take what the game gives you. You don't make it difficult, and that's what he did. Yeah. Smart play. It's funny. In, in the regular season, I'm not saying guys don't play hard, but after 82 games, you got in town late, you had a shoot-around at 10, you go to bed, you wake up, you're groggy, you have a piece of fish, you go to mm-hmm. the ballpark, you, know, you go to the arena. Yep. Threes are easier in the regular season. You get to the postseason, and I'm facing Steven Jackson for the seventh time in two weeks. I'm running you off that line. You can always get in this game, to get a great three seems easier in the regular season than yes, the postseason. No question. Whereas if I can get a two, Embiid can get a two all anytime. day. Anytime. Anytime. And, and again, maybe there's an analytic that says I'm completely off my rocker, but I do think that there are certain analytics. All analytics are, Stephen, is an average. Right. Averages, play the averages in a long regular season. Mm-hmm. But do you know Houston's number one in the NBA in the three-point or dunk analytic and Golden State 17th? Mm-hmm. Golden State doesn't shoot as many threes as we think. Mm-hmm. And so part of me, like Friday night, part of me was rooting against Houston and all the flopping and all the analytics. I hate it, yeah. I, I found myself, I'm like, I like Daryl Morey, but I was rooting for the champion. Mm-hmm. Who are you rooting for Friday? I was def- I'm a Golden State guy. I'm a Golden State guy. I mean, Golden State, out of all the teams I played for and had success with, Golden, Te- Golden State is the only team that made me feel like family. Really? Yes, the only the only, uh, only organization that showed me they appreciate for what I've done. What do you mean, how? They bring me back every year. Uh, they, they invite us to games. If, if Anytime you want to come to games or anything to have some, they do something for the We Believe team every year. They bring us back every year and, uh, and show us they appreciate the time there. You know, so their family, I mean, I'm always rooting for I feel like I'm a part of their family. That's great. Yeah. You know, I was wrong uh, on the Celtics this year. Was there anything that shocked you? I whiffed on the Celtics. I thought they'd turn it around. It's a big, fat bowl of Zippo for me. I was terrible. What was the story that surprised you this year? Well, what people are not saying is, I'm, if you know me, I was one of those guys, I praised Brad, Steve, Brad Steves. Right. He had a bad year this year, and nobody's talking about that. He had a bad year. It wasn't just the players. It was it, when, they, when a team is not cooperating and everybody's not on the same page, it starts with the coach. And he, I think he made a mistake of not playing Jalen Brown as much as he should. Jalen Brown set the bench a lot this year. Even when guys were hurt, he came in and played well. And when guys came back, he went right back to the bench. If you look at the Milwaukee series, the game one, 
Not only did Kyrie play well, but the main reason they won that game was because of Jalen Brown played well. He didn't, they didn't play him as much the rest of the series, and that's why they didn't win that series. I think Brad Stevens, he's a great coach, and I love him. He's, a, he's a definitely going to be a great coach for a long time, but I don't think he did a great job with substitutions this playoffs here. Yeah. What would you do if you ran the Sixers? If I ran the Sixers? Embiid and Simmons don't look like they work to me. This is what I do. Resign Jimmy Butler. Resign Tobias Harris. This is what I tell everybody. I would trade Ben Simmons, sign a trade for D'Angelo Russell and one of those guards in Brooklyn. He's going to give up on Ben Simmons. Yeah, because when you have a coach that he's that he knows very well, they're both from Australia, and he's not holding him accountable. As a basketball player, it sucks to see an NBA player who's considered one of the top players in the league and he can't shoot. That's disrespectful to the game. And and for the coaches not holding him accountable, not not even attempting a shot, and you in the NBA, what is that saying to this kid that's in the gym four hours a day working on his jump shot? I don't have to shoot. I still can make it. No, you you have to shoot. Ben Simmons is is, is being com- is being comfortable with his game, and not getting better is not a good look on him. That's interesting. I like Ben Simmons. I like him too, but not being able to shoot as a point guard, it it, it really hurts your offense, when, especially when you got a big man that gets doubled a lot. Now, Steven Jackson joins Skip and Shane to explain how Houston bounces back next season. Uh, Steven, can Houston ever win a title with this system? He, no. He's saying the right thing, but I'm glad he didn't say we're going to win a title with James and D'Antoni. Huh. D'Antoni ain't going to get it done. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is not offense. You have one of the best scorers in NBA history. He's going to score in any system. I think if you put an a, a, a offense system instead of the ISO game around James, have him coming off a couple screens where he can he can get into the flow of a game instead of just taking the dribbling the clock out, playing in the system, and giving him a coach that can coach defense, that knows how to coach defense. D'Antoni's not a defensive coach. They might win with James, but not with D'Antoni at the helms. Mm. No, they're not winning no title with, with James Harden and Mike D'Antoni. Um, skip that style, the ISO ball. It looks good. It looks I good. I mean, James Harden getting his 60, had like three, four, 60-point game. These high 50, Skip, you and I, we come in here for like four or five. I've never seen anything like this, Skip. Yeah, well, we talked about <laughs> it. I've never the, seen it. Effort, really, have you ever seen never, it? Like it? Never. The effort, the ease at which he can score the basketball, the step back threes. So come playoff time, hmm. he's in one spot. He's at the top of the key. He's dribbling, and everybody's eyes are on him. Mm-hmm. And he turned. Now, look, he played about as well as he could play. I mean, he's, he's not the most efficient. Mm-hmm. He shot 44% from the field. In the play, regular season, mm-hmm. same in the playoffs. He's about, you know, 38% from the three-point line, same thing. But these turnovers, and what hurt them was their inability to get stops. Mm-hmm. They couldn't stop to go to state from scoring. Just for the record, <laughs> they brought Jeff Bizdelic back from, from his retirement. Mm-hmm. They talked him back yeah. onto the bench, well, and he was supposed to be the defensive wizard coordinator, well, right? His, well, well, what he was supposed to have to bring, he, he left that on vacation. Okay. He forgot his, you know, sometimes you get to go on vacation, and you forgot, dang, forgot the sunscreen. Dang, I forgot <laughs> my, well, he forgot that defensive game plan. Skip, this is unacceptable. This is the third year, a game six, on your home court, you taking the L. Mm-hmm. And Skip Bayless told me this. This is what Skip told me. Skip told me, he said, Kevin Durant is the best player in the NBA. No question. How in no the question. hell can Golden State win a game without the best player in the NBA? James Harden, you allowed that to happen on your watch? Right. Mm. That's on your watch, James Harden. So, no, I'm sorry. Chris Paul, how is Chris Paul going to look in another year? Two years. Because you got some more years on that contract, Skip. Mm. Clint Capella just proven. He's a nice, a nice little role player here or there. Mm. He ain't nearly worth $20 million. Mm. So you got two guys 
Good luck with them moving forward. Mm. Mm. All I know is that James Harden is on the regular season Mount Rushmore. <laughs> not on the postseason. No. And I will give you that this game Friday night degenerated into dribble, 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 dribble versus pass, 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 pass because the Warriors were forced back into the 73-9 and nine mode of mm-hmm. just sharing the basketball like crazy. And it was beautiful to watch. Yep. But you have in combo the two greatest shooters in the history of the league on one team. Yes. They just are. Yes. Look at their <laughs> Steph from three for his career is 44%. Clay from three for his career is 42%. Mm-hmm. You can appreciate that. Oh, yeah, that's that's it. ridiculous. That's With the ridiculous. amount of threes that know, they shoot. Ridiculous. Yes. yes. So, so James is 37% for his career, and that's what he shot this year. Yeah. Push comes to shove in a playoff game. If you're just jacking and jacking and jacking threes, who do you think is going to make more? Those two or that one yes. guy? Yes, no question. You know, that's what happens. And in the end, to me, it's not even about the system. It's about the man running the system. And if you want to throw D'Antoni into this, you can. Because he doesn't have much to show for his his career, right? He's got an, he had a two-time MVP. He did. And uh, Steve Nash had Amari Stoudemire, who's all-NBA skip. We've yep. seen it at different locations, and it's the We've same result. It. But, but it's always – Pretty good. It's yeah. almost real yes. good, yes. right? But it's never really over the hump good, right? Never enough. So this guy, James Harden, is just not made of tough stuff. What, whatever the stuff, guys, you played with Tim Duncan has, whatever fire in his belly has, mm-hmm. I just don't see it in James. And when it's really time, when you are on the line, when you are going to either be revealed to have great playoff character or exposed to have none, he keeps getting exposed in every big game six or seven. Just exposed, exposed, exposed. All the, I, I, it's a litany of games. And, again, this game on Friday night, it got tied. It got stuck on 97 all. At 631, it went all the way to 342, tied at 97. This is on your home floor. This right. is you, man. Right. Yeah. You, you got to do this. Yeah. So could we just show a couple of these lowlights? 506 left. James misses a layup, and it's just, you called it earlier, it's just a gag. It's just like. Could, could we see the layup missed? He, he drives it in. Look, look at that. Stack. How did he miss that? Yeah, he touched the rim, Come on. Stack. Come on. You, look you, at this. Okay, that's it's 97 all at that fatigue. point. Fatigue. Okay, is it fatigue? Is it really? mental fatigue? I, I don't know. Then he misses a wide open three at 255. And, and he, he pulled his step back off, and the Warriors got confused, and they kind of ran into each other. And he just gets a wide open step back. You got to make that, man. And he, he almost airballs it. Okay, that's a big shot at that point. And then can we see the offensive foul on Draymond? It's, it's just so bad. It's it's such a bad look. This is it. This is one twelve. Okay, Tim, so, yeah. so, so why did he do that? He tired, okay, what? I mean. That's that, that's mental. That's all mental. Frustration, okay. mental frustration. Okay. Remember, that's 224 to go, and, and they're down, down two. two. Mm-hmm. Down two. You can't do that. Okay, mm-hmm. well, let, well, help me answer this. You got a guy that's not playing that's averaging 35 points in the playoffs. How in the hell you give 118 points? Right. And how, and how you don't have a killer mentality? Kawhi yeah. Leonard, that's how you go out game seven. When, when, you, when your season's almost about to be an end, you go out like Kawhi Leonard. You don't go out like James at the end of the game. I didn't see the same drive. I didn't see the same passion that he has in the first three quarters. I didn't see that at I all. Saw, I know what you did see. Here's a guy that shot 88% from the free throw line, missed five of them, shot yep. 58% in that, that game. True. That ain't fatigue. All, that's that pressure. That, that's pressure to what I'm saying. <laughs> and those same shots you can make in the first three quarters, Skip, a lot of guys can't make in the fourth yeah. quarter. But all those threes from Clay and Steph, 
Huh. It just kept killing him. It was like a gut punch every time, every time. Okay, Steph got in foul trouble. Steph missed like seven, eight minutes of the first half because he picked up three quick fouls. The only guy that can gut your now is who? Clay. Yep. Because you've seen Clay go nuclear and go get 60 points in 29 minutes. Mm -hmm. I'm trapping him. Yeah. Andre Iguodala, Draymond Green, Kavon Looney, anybody else. If y'all go for 20, so be it. I'm not going to let him catch fire. Right. And then when Steph comes back, now, because the difference is that when these guys play with no KD, they don't have to worry. If Clay shoots three times uh, uh, and Steph shoots four times, they don't have to worry. Is KD upset he hadn't shot yet? Mm. Who could get mad mm. if they shooting the ball? Because nobody else can shoot it but them. Mm. So they come out ultra aggressive. You let Steph get 33 in the second half? Mm -hmm. with, and a guy that doesn't try to go one-on-one. -on -one. He got no post game. If that's KD, that's LeBron, one of these guys that can play with his back to the basket, mm. okay. You know what Steph is, mm. and you let him go get 33. Mm -hmm. That's cooking. And 30 and a half, it's that's cooking. cooking. It's really cooking. I've done that before. So the owner says... Not against me. Against the really? Mavericks, I did, though. You got 30 and a half. And a half. In the playoffs game? No, in the regular season. Okay. No, regular right. season. Not, 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 not against me, you wouldn't. Mm. Oh, okay. <laughs> Probably 40. So yeah. the owner says, we're going to keep reshuffling that deck. <laughs> what? But the guy in the middle of the deck is still James Harden, yeah. right? Now. Chris Paul is an aging player to me. I saw some signs of age. He played well on He got three night. years at $120 million right. left. Okay, right. good luck moving that. Okay, so you're going to mix and match around. Okay, James Clint Harden. Capella got four okay. years at $80 million. Okay. Good luck moving that. Okay. But in the end, you're going to get to this moment. Sometime next playoffs, there's going to be a game six or a game seven, and this is going to happen again. James yeah. Harden is going to disappear on yeah. Following Chris Broussard is back with Nick and CC to break down the Lakers' new head coach, Frank Vogel. When I first saw it, I was stunned because of, of all the so names. So was Vogel. Mike Woodson, <laughs> Jason Kidd, Lionel Hollins. I would have had Vogel fourth on that list of guys that's going to get Which the job. Which would have him, made him seventh on the total. Right, right, right. And if we were running the race like the Kentucky Derby, that wasn't a premier race. All the stallions <laughs> right, had, exactly, had turned exactly. it down. <laughs> now, let me say this. I also think it would have made more sense to have Jason Kidd as the head coach and Vogel, who's a tactician, as the assistant. However, I made some calls, talked to some people, and I'm told this. Le this is the key we know for any Lakers job, that LeBron James respects Frank Vogel. He remembers those battles that they had when Vogel was in Indiana. Three straight times in the playoffs, LeBron's in Miami, and those series go six games, two of them, and one of them went seven. LeBron recognizes, I had me, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh. And Frank Vogel had Paul George, Roy Hibbert, <laughs> and George Hill, and David West. Not nearly as much talent. So I'm told LeBron respects Frank Vogel. Frank Vogel has a chance with LeBron. He's going to give him a chance. If Vogel goes in there and is prepared... And, and shows that he's got all his dot, uh, T's crossed mm -hmm. and I's dotted, then he that's how guys who didn't play in the league get players' respect. Yes. Is they Jeff yes. Van Gundy, Stan Absolutely. Van Gundy, yeah, that is all true. these guys, Brad Stevens, they show you, yeah, I didn't play, but we got everything covered. Every little thing you need to know to be a better player and team, we got covered. So I'm told LeBron, and look, LeBron's not making the decisions. But they're keeping him abreast of everything. But they, they, everything. So I, tell me if you are hearing different, but I'd be shocked if, if you are. I'm told, though, that LeBron and Rich Paul and Clutch have been 
totally hands off on this. That they were not giving, the, they didn't present a list of names. They weren't, when they heard Ty Lue was in the running, they didn't try to tip the scales right. in his favor. That they stayed totally out of this. Now, he's obviously going to have to be very hands-on on the free agency part. Right. I think you already saw he is by meeting with Kawhi last week. But that, that I'm told, he didn't go to Philly. Did you did did you are you told he went to Philly? No, we were just Brown. responding to right. the report that they met. Yeah, there there was there was a report that they went to Philly. LeBron went to Philly to meet with Kawhi. It was false. He okay. didn't go to Philly. He'll meet with Kawhi, obviously, but okay. you get it. It, it wasn't. It, you think about it. It's not even a good look to go meet with a guy during while he's still in the midst of a playoff series. But the point is, your point is he's he will be recruiting But LeBron guys, has stayed no out of the coaching situation. And if you're a Laker fan, I, with respect to everything you're saying about Vogel, you got to kind of wish he didn't. Well, here, here's what I'm – you're right that LeBron – they didn't present a list. Mm -hmm. They stayed out of it. But Rob Palinka, Rams, the whole – they were running things by LeBron, not for his – him to say, yeah, not you Not for his consent, but right. to keep him abreast. But to keep him abreast. And to hear his opinion, not that they were going to go with his opinion necessarily, yes. but he was kept abreast like most – top players yeah in the and both of you can be right I believe that LeBron from the beginning because David Griffin who's general manager now with the Pelicans he expressed this a lot this year on NBA TV how LeBron hates this he hates how people just assume he's picking the players he's involved right. with the coaches and everything but to your point Yes, when they had the first interview with Vogel, like after Ty turns it down, they had to go to LeBron and said, this is the plan. We're going to interview this guy. After that interview, they went back to him before they start negotiating a contract. So LeBron could state that. Yes, I do have respect for the X's and O's. That time in Indiana had a, had a really a impact on LeBron because LeBron also fell in love with Paul George. That's why he tried to get the Cavs to build trade for him. Also, last year, who did the Cavs try to add to their roster late in the season? George Hill, right. who was also part of that. So I could understand, and both of you could definitely be right. But so, but to me, this hire is about two things, power and optics. Well, let's start with the optics. They, Jeannie Buss and Rob Belenka were sold on Ty Lue. And the Rambis family convinced them the optics will be LeBron's running things. Hold off and make demands, make make Tyloo to make concessions because he doesn't have any other options. They maybe didn't factor into the fact that one of the options is do nothing and make five million dollars this year from the from the Cleveland Cavs and next year mm -hmm. from the Cleveland Cavs. And Ty walked away. They liked Jason Kidd, and they were horrified by the reaction publicly that they were considering Jason Kidd. So horrified, I believe they floated out there, oh, it wasn't even a real interview. It was a cursory, right. it was a courtesy right. interview. And then when I say power, Rob Belinka has, con in a very short period of time, consolidated an immense amount of power. Magic is gone. Clearly, the two people that Jeannie Buss listens to the most are Linda Rambis and Rob Belinka. And Belinka got a coach who was willing to take three years and yep. I pick your staff, and I'm putting Jason Kidd on your staff, even though he doesn't have the greatest reputation for not going behind people's backs, and he interviewed for this job. So that, because the, the basketball reasoning for hiring Frank Vogel, here's the thing. What he did in Indiana was impressive. What he did in Orlando happened, though. Right. That was a 35-win mm -hmm. team he took over. They then won 29 and 25 games with him. They then, the next year, this year, with the exact same roster, Won 42 games and made the playoffs. That's 
That's really problematic for Frank. And that people. could be similar to Mike D'Antoni. And I'm not, I'm not singing Vogel's praises, but D'Antoni failed in certain places too. New right. York, L.A., obviously. This is the difference, though. Mike D'Antoni, you know the system. His offensive system is successful. Now, he's not into the detail. You can't guarantee me because there are people in the NBA that Vogel, as far as being a defensive strategy guy, people will say, well, that was his staff. That was Nate McMillan. That was other people on that staff that he's getting credit for. At least Antony, he's got something that he can put his hat on. That offense that he runs, it is special, and it's effective been expect, uh, effective in a couple different eras also. Wait, just quickly, does it really matter if you land another big-time free agent, who the coach is? How much is that a factor? I if mean, you uh, get a guy like Kawhi there or something. You know, but, it, yeah, if they get Kawhi, Vogel will be fine. Right. <laughs> and then if he's not, Kidd will be fine, you know, if he moves up. But, yeah, if they get a big time, for, their thing is they need to shore up the front office and show that they're not flying by the seat of their pants. Right. Yeah, this is what I can tell you about the free agents. Ain't nobody going there because of Frank. Right. Right. Okay? Now, they're going there because the Lakers and LeBron. Right. If you had Ty Lue there, there are some players out there being like, you know something, I can play for him. Monty Williams, with his reputation, his um, relationship with Anthony Davis, there's guys that say, you know something, LeBron's there, but Monty Williams, I trust him with my career. I think that we lost that. Even Jawan, to be yes. honest. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Jawan, no. Okay. Yeah, no, you're right. He's not a draw. Thank you for listening to the Hoops on Fox podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review letting us know what you think of the show.